Welcome to Hello Climate Calling, the climate change podcast by the Embassy of Finland in London and the British Embassy in Helsinki. In this podcast, we're looking for solutions to climate change and introducing people who are working towards resolving it in Finland and the UK. I'm your host, Noora Mattila, and in this episode, we will be talking about cities and communities and how they can take action against climate change. How can small communities make a difference? Today we have two guests to answer that question. From Finland we have Ari Alatossava, who is working as the mayor of E, a northern Finland town of just under 10,000 people. Welcome, Ari. Thank you very much. E is a Finnish town with the shortest name. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Actually, I was, uh, how would I say, marketing that it's the shortest name of the earth. But we have visitors in Norway And they told that they have a place called Ö, just one letter. <laughs> oh no, it's always somebody from another Nordic country who are like, actually. <laughs> well, shortest name in Finland. And from the UK and right now on the <clears throat> island of Butte in Scotland, we have Gary Charnock, who is the founder of the Going Carbon Neutral Project in Ashton Hayes, England. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Good to, good to meet with you. Ashton Hayes is a small town near Liverpool in England, but you are now in Scotland. What brought you there? Ashton Hayes is actually very near to the, the old Roman town of Chester, just east of Chester. But there, to answer your question, um, I'd lived in Ashton for 35 years with my family that grew up there. And when I started the project back in 2005, we always said that sustainability was a key issue for the project. And After running it for 15 years, we the committee group said, we have to start handing this project over to other people. So I decided uh, that I would go and live in Scotland on the island of Butte because my wife's a novelist and she mm-hmm. has lots of friends here. But uh, I'm still involved heavily, but I we've now handing over the project to younger people who are taking it on board. So it's long-term sustainability is the key thing for me. That's great. We kick off this podcast by giving you a chance to ask a question about each other's home country. What mm-hmm. is something you always wanted to know about the UK or Finland? Or what is something that fascinates you and you want to know more about? Maybe this Aston Hayes uh, experience, according to the information I get from the webpage, gives the the idea of uh, community-led initiatives or community-led activities Maybe we are in Finland uh, more, um, how would I say, public-oriented. So many initiatives in Finland are originally based on on public authorities. Right, so kind uh, of like more political level rather yeah, than Yeah, and uh, I admire that you have this ability to to start this kind of, of initiatives like you have in Aston Hayes. I think we need more culture like that here in Finland also. Well, I'm quite interested in how um, the society works in Finland because in England uh, we have a thing called the parish council, which is the lowest form of government, which is basically the parish council looks after the affairs of our village, which is only a thousand people. And you're allowed as a citizen to go and talk to the parish council, present ideas. But in Finland, do you? how does the structure work? Do you have local councils or is it more of a regional uh, political type of council in your communities? Every municipality have a council mm-hmm. and board. Right. And, and uh, if if someone wants to start some kind of initiative, 
and want public funding for that, it's quite easy to call someone who is uh, the member of the council or call the mayor or some other Do you, do uh, people official? call often? Do you get calls like that? Like uh, Yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah. 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 Uh, how would I say? They are, they are not always uh, uh, complaints of something. <laughs> <laughs> they are not always complaints. <laughs> That's There is also positive <laughs> feedback. <laughs> yes. It's interesting because... Um, It's very similar in a way, but as a citizen, you will, I, I, I went and just asked to speak for 10 minutes to the board of the council um, and put the idea forward. But one thing that uh, has never been possible is they've never given any money at all to the project in 15 years. We've had to raise our own finances for okay. 15 years, which has been okay. But that's that was the task at the beginning of our mm -hmm. project. Mm, yeah. You have done that now for 15 years. Is yeah. that right? Correct. Why do you call it project? Do you know, that's very interesting. I never thought of it that way before. We always thought of it as a project en route to carbon neutrality, okay? <laughs> And maybe the end would be when we became carbon neutral. But none of us were so <laughs> optimistic that we thought we would ever get to carbon neutrality. But we thought it's a great ambition to have, you know. But it's an interesting point. I've never thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Gary, if we go back to the beginning now, you kind of referred to it as well. Uh, so it was an initiative of a few people only, or was it just you who came up with this idea and like brought it up? So what happened was I was actually t uh, walking across the hills of the Shetland Islands one day. And, <laughs> as you do. Uh, as you do. And I, I started reading about climate change and I got quite worried about it. And I thought, we have to do something about this as a society. So I rang the government when I got back from holiday and said, can you tell me of any communities that are trying to become carbon neutral in the UK? And the, the government organization said, we don't have any, but we'd be very well, you'd be very welcome to have a try if, you, <laughs> if we'd support you. So then I decided I'd go with the idea to the pub because in the UK we have weekly pub quizzes <laughs> and I'm part of a pub quiz team. And these are all my friends around the table. And I said, look, this is a crazy idea but do you think we could attempt to become England's first carbon neutral village? And to my surprise, they all said, yes, let's give it a go. So I then went to the Paris Council and presented a 10-minute idea, and the Paris Council voted to accept it. But it was all, yes, it was just a, an idea that came one morning on the Shetland Islands. Could we do this? Wow. Hmm. Well, we will get back to the results and what happened next soon, but Ari... E decided in 2012 to reduce its carbon emissions by 80% from the 2007 levels uh, by the end of 2020. Mm. Why E? What makes it possible in E of all places? Uh, actually, there was a project called Hinku, so low carbon municipalities. It started in 2008 or something like that. There were five small municipalities, mainly from south of Finland. We decided 2012 to join this, mm -hmm. this group. And uh, I have to admit that we didn't know why we set up that tight <laughs> target. And uh, <laughs> you don't know. actually, we, we, didn't, we didn't realize how hard is it. Is, is, is Did it you to achieve? Did you just want to break a record? Maybe it was part of it and... Uh, Maybe you need, need a little bit crazy <laughs> ideas, <laughs> ideas. And uh, we started saying that E without heating oil. Mm -hmm. 
if you buy oil or some other fossil fuels, so you uh, send your money to someplace else. But if you can produce that energy inside your own town or own, own area, own region, you support the local businesses, you support local jobs, and uh, the economy is uh, boosting. Mm-hmm. You need to get uh, uh, politicians' support. So how to get politicians' support? If you are telling them just that our nature or our environment, that it's good for nature, good for environment, I doubt that uh, uh, they don't allocate finance to that kind of issues. Mm. But if you can show that there is also good economical impacts, then it's uh, easier. And uh, the municipality like us, we are we are using hundreds of thousands of euros annually mm-hmm. to buy oil, mm-hmm. heating oil. Now all that money goes to our own society. So are you actually making money with this project? Yes, Or we do. Is this a project even? This is no, now no, 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 a this change. Is not, yeah, this is a change. <laughs> progress or <laughs> or not project, but prog- progress. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that's. I I think that's one uh, important point why we have succeeded so well that that we count everything also economically. Mm. So you make energy from the river and wind. Uh, yeah, and uh, solar power. Yeah, and ground heat is uh, it's heat, but it's it needs electricity or power. Right, and we get the power from our own sources. Yes, and this is profitable. Uh, I wonder why the others are not doing this. Yes, it's it's really interesting, and I, I appreciate the way forward. I think ours is quite a different project in the sense that when we started in Ashton Hayes, um, we invited the public to a meeting, and we got over sixty percent of the adults in the community coming to this meeting. Um, and they said, "What do you want us to do?" And, and we said, "Look, we don't want you to spend any money on solar panels and things. We want to reduce our footprint as much as possible." Mm-hmm. We went into everyone's house and discussed how they might save energy in their particular house. That was really interesting because some people took it on board immediately and saved a lot of money on their electricity and gas bills. As soon as that happened, we said to people, if you are successful, could you share the information? And we spent a lot of time just sharing information between friends and neighbors. And so... What happened was every year we measured it. In the first year, we saved 20% of our emissions immediately with very little effort, actually, just a few key things. Subsequently, to, after the second and third year, we got to about 23 25% reduction. But then the public said to us, it's getting hard, this. It's getting hard to save any more. Can we now spend some money on things like solar panels and stuff? And that's when we enlisted the school And we put solar panels on the roof of the school and started to build up our solar energy. But the key thing for us was um, the conversations in the community. Even in the pub quiz, people were talking, using questions about carbon neutrality. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I think it may be that in both of these places, kind of similar things are being done, but maybe in a different order. Uh, Mm. Both of these towns have received a lot of media attention. Here's Alpo Kaisto from E telling how he feels about it. I feel it uh, important that I'm proud about this because uh, it has 
really raised quite a lot of uh, questions for me. And uh, I have some international connections as well. And uh, people have been interested and they have been asking things and uh, they have been asking for representing this uh, uh, climate work. And that's really something I appreciate. In our family's everyday life, it shows because we were participating to one of those uh, activities and uh, e uh, municipality or actually Micropolis was uh, uh, asking for bits for energy uh, control systems and uh, one of those was assembled to our house and uh, We were in a study, and in this study, we found that we have been making savings of energy consumption uh, for from five to twenty-five uh, um, percent per month, and it was a huge amount. And uh, it has also been affecting so that we have uh, started to think about our energy consumption more, uh, and in a vaster, from a vaster point of view, and. Uh, It really affects to our everyday life. People always, when they hear that I'm from E, they are asking something about this. They are interested in this. And they say that this is something all the municipalities should do. Ari Gary was talking about how their information has been exchanged between neighbors and between generations. I believe in E also you've done some kind of educational change and children mm. are encouraged mm. to take a kick sleds to school and measure energy consumption and mm-hmm. I guess even get money from saving energy. How does all this work? Yeah, we call this uh, this is a 50-50 method. Uh, all the schools and kindergartens in our town are involved. Every school has a group of of students and uh, or group of kids who leads the energy saving work in that school. And when the school manages to save energy, power, or heat or water, uh, we from the administration give them back half of the money they saved, so they can buy some new uh, toys or <laughs> or go to some trip or what well, they decide. Yes. And uh, uh, kids are motivated. And uh, the other thing here is that uh, when they go home, they do the same thing there. Mm-hmm. So many, many parents have told that uh, things have changed in their home after this They have project. become little preachers. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's not only that they read books or that stuff the old teacher told them. Uh, they can do mm-hmm. themselves. Yes. And they see yeah. what it means to do things like that. And how far along are you in E in reaching this crazy target? Uh, actually, the latest uh, result calculated by Finnish Environmental Agency is 2018. So we have managed to decrease our emissions 62%. Yes, by 2018. Do yeah. you think you are now close to 80? 
there's two things. There are things that we can do ourselves. And then there is uh, so-called compensation. It means that one of our target originally was to attract uh, renewable energy investments to our municipality. So we have managed to get uh, wind energy investments. So if the municipality in our area, the company is producing clean energy by wind turbines, in these calculations, it is advantage to us. The main road goes through our municipality. So we have this traffic, mm -hmm. which is not so easy to reduce. Oh, no, uh, you have to move the road. <laughs> yeah. What we have done, actually, we have uh, most of our workers are, are driving electric. So yeah. we have uh, rented electric vehicles. Everyone can use them. We have a reservation system, and uh, also the, the the people in E have ability to rent it during the evenings and weekends. Why we are doing this is, is to how would I say to learn uh, that electric vehicles are working well. So when when you change your car, it's a good idea to buy electric uh, vehicle. Gary, how does this sound? Did you find similar ideas? Well, it's interesting that in your interview with the resident uh, of E, he mentioned about the publicity. And I think one of the things we've been very pleased about is how other parts of the world have taken on board the idea and come to visit, visit Ashton Hayes. Mm -hmm. And I think that has been good for the community because they meet mm -hmm. all these people who come and we have this international, dis this tiny village in England mm -hmm. has an international discussion about what's going on. It makes people feel very proud. Yeah. of what they're doing. Even if it's a very small-scale thing that we're doing, the influence, the ripple effect around the world has been quite big. Yeah. On the electric car idea Ari talked about, I think that's quite interesting because we bought an electric car for the village to do exactly the same thing, to show people what an electric car is, is like. And you could hire it online and you could book it. And we were very disappointed. It's the biggest disappointment we had that nobody <laughs> wanted to use it because everybody in Ashton had a car already. We had a Nissan Leaf and people had terrible range anxiety, which they didn't need to have because they were only traveling 30 miles. <laughs> but um, it, we found that we had to get rid of the car in the end because nobody was using it, which was disappointing. But I think now, I think the times changed. I think now more people are much more attuned to the idea. This was like 10 years ago and people are now much more attuned to the idea of electric vehicles. Yeah. The other thing that's come out, I think, and the big thing has been the well-being of people in the village that this idea of doing something, actually doing something, even if it's small, that other people want to come and talk about, has been good for our mental health in the sense that we don't feel completely unable to affect climate change. We feel like we're doing something and we can tell our grandchildren, well, we had a go at this. You know. One question I'd like to ask Ari is, what we discovered to our pleasant surprise was that the kind of clever ideas that emerged from the community. You, you suggest energy saving, and then people come up with all sorts of ideas that you never thought of. And that's what I've really enjoyed in the UK. We've now got about 3,000 small communities in the UK attempting to do something. But every time you go and visit one of them, you learn something new about what you could do. Can we say that there is a need for good examples and good practices all over the world, because we have also get contacts from, from Australia and uh, South Korea and uh, every continent that, uh, how can you do that? I always used to say that this is not a rocket science. You can do a lot mm -hmm. in your own household mm -hmm. or in your own community. 
But if you had to mention one thing that has been difficult in E about this, what would it be? Uh, it doesn't mean that everyone is involved or everyone are cheering or speaking good. There are people who feel that we are putting money to the wrong issue. But so far, the results have been good and we uh, can show that all the investments are good investments for environment, but also economically. And I think that uh, it's a question of positive examples. Mm. So, I think, Yes, that's a good idea, Ari, because yeah. we find that um, yeah. when pe- people come on board at different times, pe- some people sit back and watch what happens. Mm. And we discovered that every three months we did something positive to explain what was going on. And gradually over time, more and more people joined in. And so we did a big study for a year to find out who was joining in and who wasn't. And we the study uh, uh, found that 98% of the people in the village were supporting the project uh, after after a couple of years, which was really interesting to find to discover that. Right. Let's hear from two of those people in Ashton Hayes, Yvette Owen and her daughter Grace, uh, what they have to say about the Going Carbon Neutral project. I'm Yvette Owen. I was in the first uh, film 10 years ago. Um, I believe that a lot has changed in Ashton since the community um, started on the Eco Project. It certainly brought organisations together to work as a community and um, it's been a really positive influence on people within the village. Grace was at Ashton Primary School when the first film came out. She was seven at the time. What can you remember about it, Grace? Um, I remember the cameras coming to the school. A lot of my experience with the project was through the primary school um, and also I did a project with the brownies as well so it affected a lot of the community and I got a green blue peter badge with the brownies. I think the project's really good because it's affected this community and it's also influenced others. So we were talking about how to change the mindset in community and also that it's very important to uh, mm-hmm. have people on board and like have them understand and exchange information. Did you have some more insights about this, mm-hmm. Ari? Yes, I think that um, as Carrie just mentioned that it's mentally, uh, the others have, have, let's say, early birds. They are more eager to take new ways or new technology or new new habits but the others are, are followers and uh, and maybe they come up later and uh, we as a municipality or town we want to show that these uh, activities are are good they are profitable we can do it so you are not losing something if you step in and start doing things like that or invest to solar panels or or whatever. Mm. So you think perhaps the best way to convince people is to show financial benefits also. Yeah. That's part of the story. And I think uh, many people have already get that idea, but there are still people who are co- coming to the to <laughs> this process. The change of attitude is not uh, not 100 uh, meter run. It's a marathon. Gary, how far along are you in your marathon? 
towards well, carbon neutral. <laughs> <laughs> According to Professor Roy Alexander, who's leading our technical team from the university, he says we're about 45% along the way. Um, but we've never really yet added in our, solar, our generation from solar panels. And the other thing we did, we planted about 14,000 trees as a carbon sink. Mm-hmm. But people have said we can't really use that. So we've got this lovely forest, but we've not, never used the carbon sink effect in the calculations. Yeah. E's got lots of forests around. Do you calculate those forests in terms of carbon absorption as part of your calculations? No. Yeah. No, we, and, no, and no. I, yeah, and maybe it's possible to do that if it's within your area, within your boundary. Maybe you you should be able to allocate that, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it's possible, and if we count them, we are carbon neutral already. Yes, yes. but the, mm. we don't want to count them because it's not uh, because of us. So if you, yeah, it'd be cheating. Uh, yeah, kind of. it's it's a little bit cheating that if yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think first we have to know what is the exact level of carbon storage at the moment. And if we're getting better, then we can count that. <laughs> the other abstract idea that came up from the public was, could we have a carbon trading scheme within the community? Mm-hmm. So, for example, supposing an old person who doesn't travel at all gets an allowance every year for carbon, um, and they have a value on that allowance. And someone, that, say, in business who is traveling a lot could buy the allowance off the person who's not traveling. So, in other words, you, you have a, uh, money flowing within the economy to try an almost like an offsetting program. But it's set, could you sell your allowance or could you buy allowances to help balance the mm-hmm. overall emissions of the village? Have you ever thought about that one, uh, Aaron? Uh, actually, uh, we have quite a lot of land and many landowners. So the question is that, what do you do to your land? So if you save your trees and you increase your carbon, so what is the value of money for that? How can you make money out of that? Mm. And at least in Finland, there are also businesses, they want to trade the they yes. emissions to carbon storage. If we as a society can create a system that people get money just to save their forests and uh, increase the carbon storage, uh, and the other one is paying for that, I think that's a really, really big change for the existing situation. It's interesting. This is emerging quite a big time in the UK. We have brokers of forests, in fact, like the Woodland Trust. And as a Mm -hmm. company, you can say we need to offset some of our emissions and you could, the Woodland Trust will buy a forest and maintain it for you, and that they'll calculate how much you're offsetting your emissions as part of the net zero commitment that companies are making. Mm-hmm. And so in Scotland in particular, a lot of sheep farmers are now looking at should they rewild their areas rather than have sheep farming? Yeah. Should they, is it more profitable to actually offset than to sheep which don't make much money at the moment? So I think, I think you're right. I think this is changing all over the place, and I... I think having examples of this would be really good to show other people what can be done in terms of the, as you say, the carbon capturing element of it. Mm. But it's a, it's interesting idea that if you can create a personal car- carbon trade system, that's really interesting that if I'm not driving my car today, can someone pay for me? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and interestingly enough on that, um, you know, people get... With wind turbines, I know you've had a super, I'm sure some people not wanting to have wind turbines. Yeah, that's yes. true. But mm. in our community, when we were we were short of money for looking after older people, 
And one of the suggestions was, shall we put a wind turbine up and use all the revenue from the wind turbine to look after the older people? Yeah. And that way you don't get any opposition to a wind turbine because you, you know it's there because you're looking after people in your community. Mm-hmm. It seems like people get upset when they know the wind turbine is there affecting them but not benefiting the community because the farmer is someone selling the energy somewhere else. So did you say you have a wind turbine now that is paying no. for Or that's just an idea? We yeah. wanted to, but we don't have enough wind, so we put more solar oh, panels up. Yes. But what I'm interested in is the concept that the public are suggesting that sort of thing when it benefits the small society you live mm. in. Yeah. And I, I think Ari's got it right there, where you're making money, I think, quite a lot of money from your turbines, aren't you, Ari? And, uh, and mm. e. The revenue from the wind turbines comes from at least three different ways. First of all, the, the companies pay real estate taxes to the town. The other thing is that they pay uh, rent for landowners. And the third way is uh, that actually it creates jobs. We have 20, 50 uh, new jobs to maintain these uh, wind parks. And actually, uh, we also have a company, it's a small company owned by Uh, how would I say, typical Finnish people. So you can buy a share from that company. And if you buy a share from the company, you get power from that wind turbine. So that's why, for example, Town of E has bought some shares of that company. So we now, when we're driving our uh, electric vehicles, we use our own wind. But that's a really important point, what you mentioned, Gary, that uh, If people see the benefits of mm. the wind turbines, they are not against them. But if they can't see it, they are against them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, in, in Ashton Hayes, we have now an energy company that manages all our solar panels and gen- renewable generation. And we have a surplus sometimes each year because we cannot have turbines because we don't have enough wind. Um, we are investing in other community energy projects around the UK in their turbines, and we get a revenue from that. Yeah. But at least at least we're using our money to help another community to invest in its own community energy re- re- renewables. Yeah, it's a similar yes. situation in Finland, yeah. that in those areas, the energy companies buy shares from from the wind turbines that are existing elsewhere. Right In the UK as well, Ari, uh, mm-hmm. if you build a wind farm, I think on the current law, you have to provide 5% of the revenue to the local communities. Okay, is 5%. that the same? If it, yeah, it's five percent. So that's quite a lot of money uh, for some communities. One near to Ashton Hayes is getting nearly a quarter of a million pounds a year from a, t- a wind farm, which they're now reinvesting in sustainable projects in their communities. Do, do you have the similar arrangement in? Finland? No, 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 no. That's that's really good, <laughs> really good example. You get a yeah. good good finance from them. <laughs> I yeah. think I think a lot of good ideas have come out of this discussion, but unfortunately, we will start to. Uh, wrap up this conversation. I think I could sum this up by what Ari said. Why wouldn't everyone do this? <laughs> yeah, we we said that if he can do this, everyone can do this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things we always agreed is that um, it has to be fun. The, the whole 15 years, the main theme is it's got to be fun, otherwise people don't yeah. do it. And so we do make, a, make it a lot of fun with parties and various things like that. That's mm. good. I have one uh, final question for you too. What is your own everyday climate action? 
well, I have green energy in my house, but also um, I've insulated my house, but I also drive an electric car. And I travel by train as much as possibly by travel. Anywhere outside of Butte, I travel by train. So that's my personal action. What about you, Ari? Okay, quite a similar that uh, we also buy green energy, but uh, I have changed uh, most of the food is vegetable. It's because of our daughter. She decided to become vegetarian for, let's say, five, six years ago. And in the beginning, it sounds... <clears throat> Not so good idea, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have to admit that we have changed the <laughs> the attitude that, uh, yeah. and uh, and uh, it's really good. And uh, of course, I I'm eating fish because I'm living in E. We have to eat fish. Yeah, <laughs> but mostly We're supporting the local economy. <laughs> okay, we're seeing a lot of pe a lot of people do eating far less meat. Actually, that's another interesting point, Ari. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for this discussion, Ari and Gary. Thanks for joining us. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. This was Hello Climate Calling. Thank you for listening. You can find our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, among other places. If you like what you're hearing, please share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. Mm -hmm.